Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Uh, this is going to be episode two of the uh, the ultimate gift. Um, us diving into the chapter right of the gift of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, Cole, uh, Jordan, and Ethan, you guys are still with me, and we're uh, we're what chatting. Up? Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, again, uh, this is um, you know a, a book that uh, Jim Stovall wrote. Um, uh, our first episode was going through the first five chapters, uh, which included the first three gifts. Uh, we gave you a little bit of insight into that. Um, but now we pick it up in chapter six, and it's the gift of learning. Um, again, this, it starts off with a little um, uh, interesting kind of subtitle thing or whatever it's out on the first page. is that education is a lifelong journey whose destination expands as you travel. Um, and I, I like that concept, right? I like the traveling concept. I will say this. Um, it doesn't just have to be traveling in terms of like moving locations. Um, but I think as you, um, in a sense, as you open up yourself to different people and experiences and places and things like that, um, if you're a person who's constantly asking questions um, and looking to learn, right, then education becomes a lifelong process. I've noticed um, that a lot of people are not lifelong learners, mm. right? They're, they're, they're not constantly reading and asking questions and absorbing things, uh, which to me is unfortunate, right? Because yeah. yeah. I think it's, a, it's an important part. Um, I think it, it flows over then into your Christian life, right? Because I know a lot of people um, look at learning from a Christian standpoint as like drudgery as mm-hmm. opposed to there's a new opportunity to learn, right? Like, I mean, seriously, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many services I've sat in, right, from a Sunday service thing, right? I mean, I became right. a Christian when I was seven. So I've been at church, let's say, every Sunday for the last <laughs> yeah. 40-something years. Um, but I'm just going to tell you, you learn something new every time, yeah. Oh yeah, right? Because every time, every time I open up the Word of God or every time I hear, right, somebody preach, I've never been at that particular situation before, mm-hmm. right? I've never been, I, mean, I was I was seven when I read this, and then I was 14, and then I was 21, and then I was, right? So like every time, even though it may be the same thing, um, like I was just thinking about this the other day, um, is, you know, if you're, if you're a person who constantly walks into the restaurant, orders the same thing every time, it's like, how do you know if there's not something better mm-hmm. on the menu? Um, Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> but... Here's the cool thing about God, right, is when he says that his mercies are new every morning, right, and he says, you know, come and taste and see. I think what God is saying to you is, like, if you walked into a restaurant and they said, hey, no matter what you order, it'll be your new favorite, it's almost as if God is like, hey, no matter what time you come to me, right, although I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, right, I'll meet you in a new place with a new mercy right. every single time you come. Yep. And to me, that's like crazy, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so like, that, yeah, that's, like, that's exciting. And so that's the lesson that Red, I think, is trying to give Jason, right? Mm-hmm. It's just this, there's a, there's a joy of learning and of growing um, that you need to understand. So uh, in the book, he sends Jason down to South America. Um, he's got a, a little library in a 
right? You know, I'm thinking of, you know, you're on the Amazon somewhere in the middle of Brazil and there's a, mm. you know, a little group of people and, you know, uh, Red Stevens had been down there and had mm. ministered to these people and they set up a library. Um, and uh, it was fascinating because when they walk into the library, Jason's thinking, okay, I get it. This is the gift of learning. I'm going to go into the library. There's a bunch of books in there. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to get smarter. And when he walks in, there's no books in the library. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, um, it says the library is empty because all the books are out being read by the people. And I think it, I think it even marked that like up to people walking two miles both ways to yes. get a book, to get a book, to get a singular right? book, to it, hope that it was a book they hadn't already read. Right? Yes. Yep. So, um, he, his thing at the very end, right at the very, he has to give a summary and he said this, he said, the only thing I can honestly say that I know now that I didn't know when we left here four weeks ago is that the desire and hunger for education is the real key to learning, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I love that concept, right? That if you really want to learn, right, you have to have a hunger and a thirst for um, learning, mm-hmm. right? If you want to know more about God, right, dig into the Word, right? Be yeah. around godly people, right? I'm hunger and thirst for it. That's how you're going to learn and that's how you're going to grow. What yeah. do you guys get from it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is it, it takes a lot of humility to be a lifelong learner. Oh, that's a good word. You know, yeah. and to understand... Um, I love that idea that everyone is an expert in something. Mm-hmm. So I think it helps you love everyone you meet when you think, what can I learn from you right yes. now? What's mm-hmm. your experiences? Even, like, even if they're only an expert in themselves. Yes. But that, and not a bad thing, right? No. But like Cole, right? If I spent a day with you, I would know more about you. Now, you may be an expert in a particular field, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you may love something, right? But at least I would get to know you better. Yes. You know what I mean? And so there's always learning to be done because, you know, at least people are experts in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's so, very true. And you got to respect. Interesting concept. Yeah. And you got to respect that passion. Love it. Um, like I know Jordan is a is a craftsman of many things, you know, leatherworking, woodworking, yes. and I respect yeah. that so much. I've seen some of the things that he's posted and they're fantastic. I know. I've got to get him to make me a cutting board here pretty Come soon. On. But Come no, on. and I respect that passion and, and learning. And so I think the greatest insult on the other hand to someone is thinking, I have nothing to learn from you. Yeah. You know, how prideful does that sound? You know, you got nothing for me, you know? And so I think that's what I took away as well as the idea that that's something you learn. Mm. I don't think that that's an innate quality. Uh, Sometimes we, we tell kids you're a smart kid and Mm. that's a compliment. I think that should fill them up with, with honor, but I I don't think that's something you either have or you don't. Um, You don't have to have a, a degree to be an educated Amen. person Amen. or a smart person. Amen. Yes. I think there are plenty of people with degrees that are not smart people. Oh yes. I just, I'll throw that. Out. I think there's people out there with PhDs. I'm <laughs> thinking of names right now. That, like, nah, but, nah. but, that, but that I'm not impressed with, right. Because they, they know a lot about a little, um, but they're not really lifelong learners. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's an unfortunate thing, right. That people, pride themselves on something like that as opposed to there's always something to learn right yeah. i'm always open to learning mm-hmm. so good good point yeah, yeah. I, and something that, that i really liked and it this goes all the way back to the first gift and so we're i mean as we continue to go on we're going to see more and more about mm-hmm. how these all con- connect mm-hmm. with one another uh, but the the idea that you're making a vote of confidence uh, into your character mm. uh, with your hard work uh, and so with that if you are building upon that then it enhances your ability to be a lifelong lear- a learner uh, because learning like like Cole said is it's not easy it requires you to remove yourself and to say like hey maybe I don't know everything mm-hmm. and so taking a position of humility uh, and working day in and day out because there are uh, working day in and day out to learn uh, because there are a lot of days whenever it is a lot easier to just sit 
and to not pick up a book Amen. and to not uh, ask someone really good questions yeah. uh, because those are two uh, very good ways to grow uh, opposed to sitting there and even within a group of guys just talking about sports, right? Like we could all rattle off the most ridiculous stats about uh, this quarterback or that quarterback or how Jalen Hurts just got an incredible deal uh, for $255 million with $179 million guaranteed, right? So like we, can rumble, <laughs> we can ramble about all of those things. Uh, but to, uh, to do in the hard work of being a learner yeah. uh, is something that you have to lay the foundation of whenever you're mm-hmm. earlier, uh, whenever you're younger. So right now, whenever you're 15, whenever you're 18, whenever you're 22 – uh, that way you can set the foundation to be a lifelong learner. Because if you're not learning now uh, in your school putting in the hard work, then you're probably not going to be learning at 55, yeah. 60, 65. And, and, and I'll say this. Um, the preparation so that it's easier to learn is something you need to do. It's almost like food prep, right? Yeah. But I'll say this. Um, find places where you're going to be um, and have a book available so that you can learn um, and it's just like, you know, if I were going to go to lunch with one of you guys, right, I used to do this all the time, right? I'd get there 20 minutes early, right? And I'd just sit and read for 20 minutes because I'd kind of mm-hmm. carve out a little bit of the time that I knew, right? Hey, we're, you know, we're meeting at 1130, so I'm there at 1110. And I just got 20 minutes to just kind of peace and quiet, right? And I usually yeah. find, a, you know, a Mexican restaurant that mm-hmm. has chips and salsa. There you go. Uh, so, I can, <laughs> so I can just sit and eat chips and salsa before you get there. Um, but it's just, it's, you know, I'd get my oil changed, right? You know, got 20 minutes, you know, Take I'd read there. And people are just like, you know, how do you find so much time to read? And I'm like, you would, if you didn't waste time, right? Scrolling on social media. Exactly. Or even before social media. Yeah. But people would just waste time, right, doing things that it's like, you know what, you could, you could read here. You could do something to better yourself. And so mm-hmm. learning, um, if you really want to learn, you have to think about how do I make the most out of the time that I have? Because you only have 24 hours in a day, right? Mm-hmm. right? You can't be like, well, I'm going to you know, add an extra eight hours on today and I'll learn then. It's like, no, you're not. You got to do it in the same time that everybody else is doing it. So learn to use the, you know, the free time that you can work into your schedule right to incorporate some learning opportunities ethan um i don't think i have anything much to add i i love the um i love the aspect of because red could have sent jason to anywhere he sends him to a south american library where he i mean probably not all the the books are even in english (laughs) and so he's he's in a completely foreign um environment and again i'm trying to apply this to my own life and um frankly i'm currently working in an industry that is foreign to me on some level and so i was like listen my opportunity to learn is literally always around me. Mm-hmm. What in this moment are you unfamiliar with? Yeah. And when yeah. you latch on to that, you can start to think, okay, why do they do it this way? How is that beneficial? If you were doing it, how would you do it better? Why would you do it better? Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are things you like about it? And it's literally, it's literally a never-ending process. And as soon as you decide that you're done learning, then you – you stop having purpose. You're done growing. You don't, you're done. Yeah. You're done. And it's 29, 50, however, just like it, it like never 50, stops. However. That's good. <laughs> I, I'll, say, I'll say this. Um, uh, and I, I used to do this a lot, right? But I, I'd encourage young men, um, find people who are doing life well, hmm. um, take them to coffee, right? Ask them three or four questions, have a book and a, and a, and a pen, um, you know, a notebook and a pen uh, and write down things, yeah. right? And just, you know, I mean, it's just... There are so many people out there who do things well, um, and you can learn from them, 
and, and everybody, right? If you're a young man uh, and you would show the respect to an older man to say, hey, listen, you do business well. Hey, listen, you do family well. Hey, listen, you do this well, right? I'd love to know, you know, how did you get here? What did you do, right? I mean, people want to share and help mm-hmm. other people out. So if, you, if you're if you open to learning and you want to learn, right, you know, the, the world is your oyster. Go Absolutely. out there and learn something. It's so interesting that in our culture, we – it doesn't make any sense, but it is interesting. We – identify mentors who don't actually know anything about the area we want to be mentored in. Um, We've got, you know, we've got influencers. It's like, oh, teach me how to be an offensive, whatever. It's like they are literally doing this so that they can get into the industry they're trying to influence on. And why don't you ask someone who's actually been there before? Why don't you um, learn from someone who can actually teach? Um, There's a popular saying, the, um, the mentor doesn't teach the student, the student, do you know what I'm trying to get at? Hmm. The student has to decide they're ready to learn before oh. a mentor will be revealed. Sounds like Karate Kid. So, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Like if you're not ready, um, you can't teach someone who's not ready to teach. No, that's very true. Oof. And so that's very if true. you're not ready to learn, then you you won't. Yeah. You won't. Amen. Amen. That's so good. All right. That's chapter six. The next one. Um, this one is powerful. Yeah, it is. Um, I love this. And, and, and the, the one problem about this book, I will say, um, I loved it, um, but each chapter is so short and he runs through because he's just giving you a you know 30,000 foot view of it, mm-hmm. right? Each chapter <laughs> could be its own book yeah. um, and, and you could go deep. Um, th- this is called The Gift of Problems. Uh, and it says uh, in there at the very beginning, it says, uh, if we are not allowed to deal with small problems, we will be destroyed by slightly larger ones. Um, not even big problems. No, no, slightly larger. Just slightly larger. larger. Just slightly larger. Yep. Um, I, I did a thing with our parents a couple of years ago when uh, the coddling of the American mind, um, uh, the book came out and there was a um, just a study that basically um, that, you know, parents are basically destroying their kids because they make everything easy for them. So one of the solutions, solution number one, and it, it says this, and I hope people get this. It says, um, prepare the child for the road not the road for the child, mm-hmm. right? And just kind of, you know, the idea of what we used to call helicopter parents have become now lawnmower right. parents, yeah. right? And so just, yeah. the, you know, the whole idea is you want to allow certain difficulties to come into the life of your child. Um, you know, you, you don't want to, to make things easy for them. Um, and it starts at a very young age. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you this, as you go out there and you watch, you know, two-year-old or, you know, three-year-old T-ball league, right? And you got parents who are like, you know, I want my kid to win. And you're like, Okay, so it's three-year-old T-ball league, right? <laughs> um, even if they win, right, what does that even mean, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're out here teaching them, and you're not just teaching them sport, right? You're teaching them character mm. and integrity, right? You're teaching them the value of other people, right? Um, and so I just you – know, I think about that concept is, you know, the gift of problems um, is, is a really – interesting thing in here. Um, you know, Jason um, kind of learns it. He meets a person who's struggling, you know, with a particular issue of life. He meets, you know, Emily, you know, she's got cancer. Um, you know, he meets different people who are going through difficult times and he comes back and he gives that report so that, mm-hmm. he, that so he can see that his eyes are open now. Yeah. Um, that in a sense, problems um, help make you into the person that you're going to be. Yeah. Um, there's a book out there called Grit. Um, and it's yeah, it's just the importance of hard work, right? right. Learning how to work hard. Um, but one of the things that the author does in the book is she goes through a number of people who had um, dyslexia um, and had a really hard time in school. And some of them are very famous and some of them are very well-to-do. And she asked them is, um, you know, how do you think that that difficulty, you know, 
built character for you. And all of them were just like, yeah, learn how to work hard. Learn how, I mean, you know, uh-huh. and it was, it was a productive thing. And then she asked the next question. She said, would you want that for your child? And all of them said no. Mm. So, so it's an interesting thing about problems yeah. is we realize we need problems to grow, right? We need obstacles to overcome. But yet when we think about do we want that for other people and the answer is no. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what Red is looking exactly. back at the end of his life saying exactly. I'm so, he, and he says it several times throughout the book, Jason, I'm sorry I've let you down. Exactly. Wow. Because Made I have not allowed you. you to experience yep. hard work. I haven't allowed you to experience any problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, I'm going to jump in front of Cole because Do he's going to steal uh, my favorite point from yes. this one uh, was the Get fact it. that uh, Jason realized he had to find a, a child a teenager, an elderly person, and someone middle-aged. And he said, there were several candidates for the middle-aged person with the problem, uh, but I couldn't find anyone as good of an example as I am yeah. uh, in my own life and the yeah. problems that I have. That's right. Uh, and so he realized that, hey, I am selfish. Hey, I am seeing all these mm. things. So it doesn't matter. And I think this translates so well to uh, to any any listener that could be listening here, right? Uh, because if regardless of what stage of life you're in, regardless of what's going on, uh, the reality is like you are in opposition to God uh, in some form or facet of your life. Regardless if you've already uh, surrendered your entire life over to Him, there's a facet of your life that probably needs to be surrendered over to Jesus. Uh, that there might be uh, a unconfessed sin or something that is keeping you back from fully loving and trusting and honoring God. Uh, so seeing the fact that we are the problem, uh, it's it's just like uh, the Bible story. We all want to be David. Uh, we all see ourselves as David, mm. uh, this little person against this big problem. Yeah. But the reality is uh, we often are the problem. We are we are Goliath. <laughs> yep. um, we are not David. We get to be Goliath, right? Yeah. Um, and so we are Barabbas, like the person who took uh, who, who Jesus took the spot. Like he was the problem. We are the problem. And so uh, him being able to realize that uh, on merely gift number five uh, was uh, is a big so indicator. It's good. a big shift in his own heart. Uh, to where, uh, candidly, I think the rest of the gifts get easier for him after this. Yeah. G.K. Chesterton, a famous uh, English author, um, wrote an essay one time about what's wrong with the world. Hmm. Um, And if I sat down and just asked people, what's wrong with the world, right? You'd have a litany of a thousand things out there. Uh, He won the essay with this answer. I am. Wow. Wow. Right? Just the self-awareness of, listen, here's the deal. Like, what, what can I control? Me. And yeah. if I can make myself better, in a sense, I make the world better. Yeah. Um, but my favorite biblical story that you need to understand that who you are, right, is the, actually the story of Hosea. Because mm-hmm. I always saw myself as, as Hosea, yeah. right? <laughs> Going in and, and rescuing. Right, right. right. And then you realize it's like, no, you're Gomer. You're yeah. Like, oh. you, you Gomer. <laughs> it's oh. like, that's who you are. Yeah. You need rescuing. And mm-hmm. not just once. Yeah, you, you run away twice. from it. You <laughs> run away from it over and over so, again. So fantastic. That's good. Ethan? I've always been obsessed in my life about the idea of revolution and changing the world Mm. and just being, you know, having this, you know, purpose on this big stage and grandiose and, you know, I'm I'm talented. People pay me for music and whatnot. And so I was just like, ah, going to be the biggest rock star of all time. It's my destiny. It's my birthright. Um, But, and this reminded me of it. The last few years have taught me that the most impact I can have in the world is constantly understanding that I am not enough and Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And so the more that I can just die to myself and try and become a little bit, maybe today I'll become an eighth of a percentage, just a little bit more like Jesus. I've just changed the entire world yeah. because I've added that much more Jesus into the world. That, so that's a great statement. I mean, it's, it's weird, right? The world doesn't need more Ethan. Mm. The world needs more yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But you have an opportunity to bring more Jesus in mm-hmm. the more you let him, right, 
become. I mean, as, as John is like, I got to decrease so he can increase, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the, the more we want to celebrate ourselves, the more we draw attention to ourselves, right? The more the world's like, I don't, I don't need any more Dan, right? Yeah. <laughs> I've got plenty of Dan, right? I need more Jesus. And, and, and we look at a world that's, right, that's dark and decaying and dying, right? And we have an opportunity every time we do something to say, hey, listen, I can insert more Dan here or I can insert more Jesus here. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's just like you know what Jesus offers to the world, right? Is life and hope and eternity, right? What Dan brings might be okay sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What Jesus brings is life changing. So yeah. that's a that's a good statement. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's good. That's a good word. I think as we see ourselves as a problem a lot of times. Mm. Um, my biggest takeaway from this chapter is a little bit more external, mm-hmm. and I think one quote that reigns true as I read this is that you know you can tell a lot about a man by Number one, how he responds. Uh, well, you can tell a lot of man by what makes him angry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell a lot about a person by what makes them angry. But right. second, how they respond to problems. Yeah. You can tell a lot yeah. about a person. True, true. And I think if the biggest lesson I want to learn now as I read this is problems are not always a bad thing. Right. You know, every business, every product, every role in a company exists to solve a problem. Hey. And so we would not have iPhones if yeah. it wasn't for the problem it solves. And so I think that idea of seeing that as an opportunity yeah. rather than an obstacle yeah. is big for me. Yeah. And that, that idea of that's not my problem is a lie yeah. wow. because, you know, that's an opportunity to step into and grow. And I mean, the book of Job is yeah. there to remind us that, right, God could prevent every problem if he wanted to. Right. Yep. The fact that he allows some to come in so that you can draw closer to him yeah. so that you can see he's the solution to your problem and not you. Yeah. I mean, just. Yeah, great. And, and great we see that echoed in Romans three, three through five, I think, mm. and then in James chapter one, where it's like, "Hey, these trials yeah. also could be a problem. Uh, they are there so that you could, re- so that you could have endurance, so that you could have perseverance, so that you could be perfect and complete, lacking yeah. in nothing. Yeah. Like nothing." And so we wouldn't Second be Second Corinthians when God says He's the God of all comfort. Yeah. who gives comfort so that you can give comfort to others. And the only thing is like, wait, the only time I need comfort is if there's something wrong. that's gone wrong, yeah. mm. right? But we don't know God's comfort unless we're in that situation. So great chapter. I love that. All right. Last chapter for this section is the gift of family, chapter eight. Now, this is fun <laughs> because um, in the movie, he's got this kind of crazy family and you see it all the time. In the book, you don't really get the essence yeah. um, of the complete dysfunction of this family because they don't really dive into it enough. Um, but, you know, Jason is coming from this dysfunctional family. And so um, he's going to teach him the value of family. So he he sends Jason to, in a sense, an orphanage mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> of a group of people that don't have a family, yeah. right? And and that's the, that's the fun thing is the irony, right? And I think that mirrors scripture, right? Is every time you think you know God's going to go left, he goes right. You know, every time you think he's going to do this, he does that, right? Yeah. So Red is, is using that same thing, right? Is I'm going to teach you about the value of family by showing you people who don't have family. And you're mm-hmm. like, that doesn't make any sense. Hmm. Um, and then you read through it, right? And you just realize... Um, he says in this, it says, family is not as much about being related by blood as it is about being related through love, right? And yeah. just, you, you don't have to have a family to have family. It's kind of a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, one of my favorite books actually deals kind of with this concept. It's a, a book by Truett Cathy, who's the Chick-fil-A guy. Um, mm-hmm. He wrote a book called It's Better to Build Boys Than to Mend Men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went out um, to um, Chick-fil-A probably, ooh, let's see, um, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and it was fascinating because I got to go to the Chick-fil-A headquarters um, and I got to go to Truett Cathy's office, which he was not in because he spent pretty much every day 
at the orphanage that Chick-fil-A ran. And they said he loved spending time and investing in young people, right, that were going through difficult times. And so when I was reading this, I was thinking of, there's Truett Cathy, right? Same That's thing awesome. as, as Red Stevens, right? Building That's a home cool. for, you know, for boys and girls and just investing in that next generation. So kind of a, an interesting thing about family. Yeah. What would you guys get? That's so good. I think um, that idea that many people could take away from this, um, so many times, like, take those that, and they're living in a situation in life where maybe they look around and, and don't see blood family. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that lie is I don't have it. Therefore I'll never have it. Oh, yeah. And it's like, if I only had that and that's something I'll never attain because that's not something I was born with. Yep. Um, but I love that the book shows us that that's something you could find as well. Yeah. Um, and that love is where families come from. That's love right. creates families, that's but right. love sustains families. Oh, that's good. And that that's something you can, create too so just if you if you look around your life and don't see blood family uh that doesn't mean you can never have one yeah and there's hope in that yeah i love the idea of a spiritual family right because people talk about you know we're almost what they call empty nesters Mm -hmm. um which is you know where yeah where your biological kids are out of your home and i'm like yeah yeah i got tons of kids right um because i've got a lot of young people right that i'm pouring into right and they're in a sense they're my spiritual boys, um, even though they're not my biological boys. And mm-hmm. so it's like empty nester. It's like, I'm, I'm never going to be an empty nester, right? Oh, as yeah. long as there's somebody younger than me, I'm going to be mentoring. As long as there's somebody older than me, somebody's going to be mentoring me. So this whole, you know, um, you know, kids, you're empty nester, retire, run off and, you know, sit at the beach all day. I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me. So no. Yeah. Fam- family's not just people that are born into your family, right? They're people that you, right, are doing life together with. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the thing that stuck out the most is yes, there's this there's this family, this very real aspect of like, hey, these, this is a uh, a band of brothers, mm-hmm. if you will, that mm-hmm. they go to this orphanage, and all of these guys, they're all all in for one another. Uh, but what I loved uh, was that they saw uh, this professional athlete uh, during yes. his off season come for who came from that orphanage yes, who came from and now the he orphanage, comes back and now he comes back and he gets to be a father to the father yeah. essentially wow. so, so he cool. gets to be that role model for people for people who may not have had that uh, whenever they were growing up so uh, and so i think that speaks volumes to uh, exactly the same person that cole was talking to like hey if you if you didn't if you don't look around and see a blood family that doesn't mean that you're not going to have a blood family but that also means that you can now go and you can give that example to people of what it means right. to have a strong a strong man in their life absolutely uh, and so i think that is something that really stood out in the gift of family. Amen. And I, I mean, it also points to how families change. Mm-hmm. And just because families change doesn't mean they have to split. You know, we talked about friends earlier. Family is tighter than friends. Um, those are the people, you know, this is what we're doing life with. And so we talk about um, Nathan, the football player. It's like, okay, well, he started out as one of the young boys, mm. and now he's grown into a father figure for mm-hmm. these boys. Mm. And I think about my own life, and um, my dad had a certain relationship with me growing up to where the relationship has completely changed mm-hmm. um, because – I need something different as a 29-year-old than I did when I was eight. Um, and it's just – I, I love that picture that um, family isn't – no, it doesn't stop at blood. And it yeah. also doesn't um, – it's not stuck in 
one phase. Yeah. It, it progresses and it grows and you grow with it. And um, You know, that, that's, that's interesting because we deal a lot with um, a lot of young people who have, you know, kids that are, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, right? And that phase is so great and so mm-hmm. wonderful. And we keep on telling them, it's just like, hey, here's the deal. It gets better, right? It gets different. It gets harder, but it gets better because each phase, um, you have the memory of the one before, um, and you have the one that you're in. So that's kind of a cool thing about as your kids grow and go on to the next chapter um, is, you know, it, it's, it's going to get better. So I'm picking up a little bit of feedback from phones. So anyway, but um, um, anything else one, on the gift of family? Yeah. So one th- going back to the gift of learning as parents, I'm not a parent. So I, you know, I'm not going to. We'll breeze past this here, but um, you have to continue to learn yeah. as a parent. Yeah. So you can't Amen. approach your kids the same way in one season as you would a decade down the line. That's where you begin to create some more dysfunction. It's like, mm-hmm. yo, stop talking to me like I'm a kid. I'm I'm 26. Like I need something else from you now. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And each kid's probably a little different if I'm sensing anything from my two-year-old and my two-month-old. <laughs> yeah. I have to relate to each one of them very differently. Four kids, you would think they were raised by four different families. Huh. I'm like, what in the world? No. Everyone's unique, you know? It is. It's great. It's great. So there you go. There's Chapter 8, our second uh, segment uh, dealing with the, uh, the ultimate gift. Um, if you haven't gotten the book yet, right, order it, pick it up, keep reading. It's a super, super short read, so you can catch up to us pretty quick. Uh, but we'll get ready for Episode 3. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.